0: Welcome to episode one of the serial killers kitchen podcast reporting from the serial killer studios on the Las Vegas strip. I am your host serial killer Chris and today we're going to be talking about all things serial killers how we got started the good the bad the ups the downs and everything in between. And also where we're headed. But before we get into that, let's talk cereal. The main reason why we're here. And just so we're clear, Cinnamon Toast Crunch is the best cereal ever created. There's no debating. There's no arguing. I stand on that. And there's nothing you can do to change my mind. There's actually data backing up that Cinnamon Toast Crunch is the greatest. I don't know who did the study, but I believe them. Secondly, never pour your milk in your bowl before your cereal. That is crazy. So we just had to clear up a few of these things before we move forward. Now, let's get into the story of Cereal Killers. It all started in the early 2000s when I was just a teenager. I love cereal, so I always thought there should be a cafe or a cereal bar where you can go and just enjoy a bowl of cereal. Why not? Cereal was already the most popular breakfast item there was. There isn't many things in the supermarket that has a whole aisle dedicated to it. So it made perfect sense, but I was 13 years old and I wasn't even thinking about being an entrepreneur or starting a business. Now let's fast forward to 2018. At this point, I started to hate my job. I didn't want to be there anymore, so I definitely, you know, started looking for some ways out. I had already been keeping, you know, a list of business ideas that I wanted to start, so I went back, I reviewed that list, and then this is the one I came out with. I was like, you know, it's probably going to be the easiest one to start. It's going to cost the least amount of money. I can do it on my own. I don't need investors because that was an issue that I ran to originally. I had crazy ideas and I still have a lot of good ones, but you know, who's gonna invest money in me? I can't just go up to somebody and be like, hey, I need $10 million to do XYZ and then actually expect them to give it to me. Crazy. Like I did expect that at first, but I learned pretty fast that that's probably not going to happen. So one of the main things with serial killers, it was like, I can use this as an avenue to show that I can run a business, to show that I can, you know, build a business from the ground up and get investments for, you know, some of the other ideas. But then, you know, this started to take a mind of its own. Let's let's dig into the story. So it was January of 2018 where I, I started off with a business plan. I was like, you know, let me get a business plan together. I really tried to avoid this, but it turns out that it was one of the most important things for us because obviously we didn't have a business history. So we couldn't go to these landlords like, Hey, I want to open up a cereal bar. Well, the first thing they're going to say, because we don't already have an established business is where's your business plan. So, so I definitely had to get that together. And that took a long time. It probably took, Two months, you know, I would just had to do a lot of research, use a lot of templates and just, you know, kind of bring everything together. And as much as I hated doing it, it was probably one of the most important things, even though if you go back and look at the business plan that we started then, it's not really our business model now. But it was definitely, you know, a starting point. It was definitely a roadmap. But you learn pretty quick in business that you actually have to pivot like things aren't going to always go the way you want it to go. You know situations happen, and like I say you have to put your pride aside because you know we had to change our menu, add things, subtract things. Everything isn't about what we like. You know, it's about our customers. You know, things that they like, things that they want, changes that they want us to make. But um, so yeah, so business plans are really important. They're they're there to guide you on your journey, and they should change. You know, every couple of years, you should go maybe do another one or touch the one you have up. But always look back to realize how far you came from because you know we wanted just to sell cereal bowls and milk like that was the main idea of cereal killers and that changed fast like as you guys know like we're a really popular ice cream and milkshake place and you know that wasn't our intentions and even like what makes our company different from a lot of other ice cream dessert places is like the, the equipment that we use you know and I found that ice cream machine probably in the 10th hour like if if the 11th hour was starting I found it right then and I had no way to pay for it because I was like okay you know it's gonna be three four thousand and that was expensive and I was like let me just see let me let me let me talk to the wife let me see if I can convince her to get it because I thought that it was really a great idea and then once I reached out to the company I found out really quick that it was eight nine thousand and you know, we had already spent a lot of the money that we had dedicated to it. So needless to say, I found a way. And that really is what, you know, what changed, what changed us, What how we pivoted, how we um, pretty much why we're where we're at now. You know, pretty much our ice cream and our milkshakes. But um, so, yeah, back to the story. So it was January of 2018 and we started to look for locations at this point. You know, once we were done with our business plan. Uh, Jessica which is my wife if you guys don't know she knew an agent and he started setting up uh, walkthroughs and sending us information about listings and when I tell you we got denied so much like it was always some excuse like oh we're too new we're a new concept we don't have any experience we would never work or pretty much everything but just saying it's a stupid idea so you know, it was a little discouraging at times, but you know, we had to we had to not give up. It's something that really, at that point, I think I really wanted it, and Jessica was just kind of along for the ride because she probably wasn't sure what to think because all the time I'm like, "Hey, babe, um, hear me out, hear me out," because I always have some crazy idea. But, you know, um, so but but she stuck with it and, you know, she kind of let me just do my thing. And then finally, uh, after 15 no's, probably we had almost right. We were going to go into the mall on Las Vegas Boulevard, which is going to go nameless. You know, they're right across the street from, you know, the back of the airport. On Sunset Road, you know, we had a good walkthrough, you know, we thought everything, everything was going to work out. The numbers was right. And then the agent really liked us. So I was like, yeah, we're in there. I was excited. I was getting ready. And then a couple weeks later, we get a response back. Oh, well, the board decided that (laughs) you guys are too new. And which is funny because um, a couple months later they actually not a couple months let's just let's just say a year later one of their representatives actually reached out it was a different agent asking if we wanted to go into their mall and I'm like what the heck like I would never do that that's maybe that's just the pettiness in me but they had a chance you know once they seen that we were starting to do a little better you know they actually tried to recruit us at that point but you know. It just, you know, if if it didn't work then, it wasn't going to work now. So I went ahead and passed that. But then finally, we found a location. This time it's at a different mall in Henderson, which, again, is going to go nameless. They're also on Sunset Road. But no, hey I was grateful. You know, I learned really quick that I didn't know anything about business. I can come up with an idea, but... I didn't understand what it took to actually run a business, you know, uh, the overhead, the costs associated with it, payroll marketing. I literally didn't know anything. So looking back on it, I honestly don't blame a lot of these landlords for not, uh, not allowing us to rent their space because we didn't know we like it was it it, it was it was a chance for them just as much as it was a chance for us taking so um i am forever grateful for that mall for even giving us the opportunity because they are the reason that we're here now because if that didn't happen who knows you know i'm pretty sure we wouldn't have given up we probably would have a lot more money (laughs) because we wouldn't have had to blow so much but you know it's part of our story is definitely, um, you know, like I said, it's always going to be there, and we learn, we learn. Like I say, they weren't losses, you know. We learn from those mistakes, and they were just lessons. But um, so yeah, so let's start with that. You know, we finally locked in a location, and then again, me not understanding what's going on, you know, I budgeted like twenty thousand dollars, and I thought that was a lot of money at that time. I was like, you know, we can just do a little quick remodel. You know, we can budget twenty thousand dollars. We can spend 10 on the remodel and then, you know, just 10, you know, to make sure that we get up and run. I was like, hey, I'm going to go to Walmart. I'm going to buy the best. And I mean, the best waffle maker there have is probably going to cost like two hundred dollars. We're going to buy all the top equipment. Well, that was a mistake because what I learned really quick is that you have to use commercial equipment. It has to be NSF certified. And when I tell you the cheapest waffle maker is like six hundred dollars, I mean it and that's the cheap stuff. So it was it was definitely a rude awakening. And actually what the crazy part is is like um once we signed the lease, they were like, "Hey, we're going to give you $65,000." And I'm like, "For what?" Oh, for tenant improvements so you can do a remodel. So you know, I was in the money at that point. I was like, "They're going to give us $65,000?" Like there's no way. Like I'm not going to do this deal. So, um, yeah, I learned again also how much stuff really costs. You know, construction is expensive and it's time consuming. And, you know, permits just take forever. Like every like everything that can go wrong for us went wrong. So uh, we can pretty much just like fast forward through that. I'm going to tell you that like. Our contractor was low-key trash he was hard to work with he'll disappear our project wasn't a big um like a, a high value project for them he kind of just you know fit us in when he could so um yeah everything was going bad like we were delayed and delayed and delayed um even though we signed this lease in i believe august i believe august of 2018 we actually didn't get open until like july of 2019 and by January, we started, we had to pay rent. So we were paying all this rent monthly before we even got the store open. And remember back when I said that we only like budgeted $20,000 for this project? have got us through like three months of rent and that's it. And so yeah, we had to start digging into our savings. And then finally, you know, we had to make some calls. We owed them a lot of money before we even got open. So I called uh, my aunt and talked to her. Brought her in on the business, and the rest is history. So I always appreciate her, and you know my aunt Rami and Uncle David for helping us out when we really needed, because you know we were we were dead before we even got started. So at this point, it's like I don't know. I don't even know what month it is. This is probably in February, March, and you know our contractor is always like, yeah, we're gonna be open in a couple weeks. We're gonna be open in a couple weeks, and I'm like, okay, you know, just trying to trying to not argue, trying to not, you know, be difficult because, you know, he is doing us a favor, but for the price that he's giving. But, you know, I learned like, you know, no matter what, like his business, if somebody agrees to the price, like there, you can't, I, I was making excuses for them and, you know, I probably didn't need to be doing that. I probably should have been a lot stern, a lot more firm with, you know, this, but it got to a point where I actually fired him because it was just, it was getting too bad but of course, he talked me into coming back. Just make sure you know somebody who understands, you know, construction and contractors. And, you know, it's hard to find, you know, honest contractors in this world, you know, and I, I think most of them do have good intentions, but there's a lot of stuff that's out of their control and they try to just BS their way through. It. Fast forward to July 2019, we finally have our grand opening and it definitely didn't go how I expected because I thought, you know, you know, you see other stores online where they just have a line wrapped around the building and i was like oh this is the first cereal bar so we're gonna have hundreds and hundreds of people there yeah there was probably 50 and probably 20 of them were my friends and family (laughs) but still but you know it was still like say it was a great day uh you know just a like like a sigh of relief to finally be open and you know finally be living that dream and i was always like you know tomorrow's gonna be better the next day is gonna be better but little did we know that uh how business works in the mall because when we signed the lease it, it was crowded it was so many people i was like there's no way we're not gonna make a million dollars right because you know you if i can just get one percent of five percent of the people that are in here we're we're gonna make a lot of money we're gonna do really well But little did we know that how the traffic flows go in malls that, you know, come uh, come August when everybody goes back to school, malls die. And I tell you, it was dead. There'd be days where like I can literally count the number of people that would walk by in an hour on one hand. Like it was it was that bad. Like the only people that were really doing good at that point was like, you know, Panda, Hot Dog on a Stick, Cinnabon, stuff like that. Places that like, you know, in our eyes, they were doing really good but overall they're probably doing terrible compared to their other uh you know businesses outside of the mall so it was just it was just a real learning experience like everything that can go wrong went wrong and yeah it was just it was it was it was difficult uh i don't know why we kept going i don't know why we just didn't you know pack our stuff up and (laughs) and call it in but you know i'm happy we didn't uh you know we definitely had to overcome a lot we also learned a lot let's fast forward uh, into the next year so you guys all know what happened next so you know we made it through we made it through the first year uh for the most part you know struggled through it i kept making that excuse that hey once once the holiday season comes things are gonna pick up you know the mall is gonna start getting crowded again and honestly that never happened like um that's just you know where we're at right now with the malls in america it 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 didn't happen. You know, it picked up a little bit. I would say maybe 15, 20 percent. You know, it wasn't what we expected. You know, they call it Black Friday for a reason. It's the shopping season starts and that's when the mall should be, you know, the most populated or the, um, you know, the most full. And it honestly, there was there wasn't really much of a change like the couple of days before Christmas. But, you know, people were more focused on shopping and getting out of there. You know, it wasn't like when we were all young where you can go to the mall any weekend and it's just packed and packed. And, you know, people everywhere, you know, just you can barely walk. Those days are done. And like I say, it, it sucks because, uh, you know, malls were definitely a big part of a lot of our childhood. But but those days were def- are definitely gone. So, yeah, so we made it through that. And then, you know, we're start at this point you know things aren't going so good for us my wife like but i know she was like second guessing it a little bit like hey you know like why did like why are we here like what happened cuz you know i this is this is a idea that i had and i don't blame her like she never came out and said it she didn't act like it but i was like it has to be going through her mind that's like wow we really threw away all this money for what you know at this point cuz things are going good and i didn't see how they would ever get better like the amount of money it would have took for us to get, you know, to break even at that point, it was so far gone that like we would have had to make like seventy thousand dollars a month for like a year straight just to get even. When I tell you like our biggest month was like sixteen thousand, like like that's how drastic it would it, it would have had to be. But but it also it didn't make sense to me because like all of our ratings were like four and a half or five stars. We were you know we were gaining ground on social media pretty quick so i just didn't understand and you know now that i look back on it like it's a you know they everybody warned you about it it's literally location 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 like it can make or break you issue with the mall is that we were such like a specialty item but people didn't want to get in their cars drive to the mall park battle through the crowds that didn't exist just to get some ice cream and milkshakes but if they were in the mall They definitely stopped, but it just wasn't enough. You know, we weren't really connecting with our customers in the right, in the right way. You know, we needed to be in the neighborhoods where they can just pop in, grab their items and leave, you know, who wants to get their kids out of the car in the back of the parking lot. And then, you know, so we learned that uh, pretty quick and then, um, So as we're trying to figure out what we're going to do, what's our next move, you know, should we take this last little bit of money we have and just keep it and, you know, just pretty much focus on the jobs that we both have at this point, because at this point I'm still working full time. And I believe Jessica is pregnant at this point. Hey, what's our plan? Somehow, I think things work out. All things are kind of aligned for a reason. So I was actually going to meet some of my good friends to give them some baby supplies that we didn't need anymore. Uh, Because at this point, we had 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 our son and he grew really fast. So we had a lot of extra stuff that we can, uh, you know, donate to our friends. So as we're in that parking lot. I come across this space that's pretty much empty. And I'm like, oh, wow, you know, this would be like a perfect location for serial killers. So, you know, I do the research, you know, I find the agent and then I reach out to the agent. And at that point I'm like, should we keep our money that we have or should we invest this money into another location? I convinced my wife again, you know, hey, maybe we should just move, you know, let's let's really give it another try in a different location. So uh, the plan was really to keep two as long as possible, but we knew the writing on the wall at the, uh, the mall location that, you know, we were going to end up having to close that one. And what I did mention is, you know, why all this is happening, here comes COVID, right? <laughs> so it was pretty much just like the nail in the coffin. Um, you know, one store was completely closed at this point uh, since COVID. So that mall location that was already doing bad was already closed because everybody had to obviously close their stores and you know at this point we had been closed for three months so i was like hey maybe we should focus on this new store and that's what we did it was hard man it was hard you know just kind of like giving up you know per se like it's t- it takes a lot out of you to have to you know make that announcement on social media but hey you know we were gonna we were definitely gonna try to keep pushing we were gonna try to keep both as long as possible and then something good finally happened to us you know uh you know we got the space even though we let them know hey we're not going to be uh we don't want to sign the contract for a few months because of everything that's going on with COVID you know we had got some more good news and this was that like uh, early in the year before uh COVID happened and I went on an audition for Shark Tank and uh You know, it was always a dream of mine to go on Shark Tank and, you know, we had got selected uh, to move forward in the process at that point. It wasn't determined that we were going to actually be on the show, but, uh, you know, we had got I got selected, uh, you know, they wanted more information. They wanted us to send a video in. So, you know, things were starting to look up and I was like, hey, we're going to be able to keep this store open now because we're going to go on Shark Tank and, and, you know, it's going to drive all the customers into the store and we're going to be rich, (laughs) you know. So again, I learned my lesson pretty quick. That's not how things work. You know, it was it was worth a try. It was worth a shot. So at this point, we do have some good momentum. We have, you know, the Shark Tank um, coming up and, you know, we finally made it through the whole process. But it was kind of put on hold because of COVID. We have a new store location um, that wasn't going to cost us nearly as much to open as the first store did. So, you know, we're, we're, we're really in a really good spot. You know, things are starting to look up. Go on Shark Tank. And this is, you know, the part of the story that I've never really shared with anybody. Like it was definitely one of the best experiences in life. But again, you know, as you guys know, like we didn't get a deal. So there was a lot of. A lot of sadness, you know, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain. Reality set in, We're probably going to lose our first business. And, you know, that was still a tough pill to swallow, especially when some of the sharks are like, hey, yeah, you should probably close that business. And, you know, it's kind of like a slap in the f- not a slap in the face, because, like, we didn't take it that way, but it was like... It was like reality hit me in the face, you know, like a sack of bricks. You know, we also got a lot of good at a sharp tank, got to dig deep in our business. We got to look at the numbers. We got to figure out what was working, what wasn't working, which was a lot easier because nothing was working. It was a great experience. Would I do it again? Probably not just because of how they, you know, edit everything. And, you know, they, they focus more on the story instead of like the actual business side. Uh, But but it was great. You know, it was you know, you're in there for uh, over an hour, you know, just spilling everything out, you know, listening to feedback, giving numbers, but all that boring stuff that they don't show on TV. But it was definitely fun. I for sure thought like me and Jessica were in the, uh, you know, in the waiting room, you know, or in the hotel, just, you know, pretty much determining already, like, I know we're going to get a deal. Our business is so great. Just what sharks are we going to pick? And I really, really wanted to work with Mark and Barb. We all know that that Barb, you know, she deals with a lot of the restaurants on Shark Tank. So she already knows what it takes to build a restaurant brand. And obviously Mark Cuban like loving um, the NBA, you know, just obviously he's the richest shark that's on the show. So that was definitely that was definitely our plan going into it. And once we got there, <laughs> Barb was not there it wasn't her episode. I was like, why would they do this to us? Why would they bring a restaurant on and not have the restaurant person on the panel? So I was like, Lord, like, what are we going to do? So I definitely had to regroup. And I was like, okay, so what two sharks do we want to work with? We were like, you know, Lori's more of a product person. Robert is more technology. So, you know, let's go with, if we do get the opportunity, let's try to get Damon and Mark. Because, you know, we all love FUBU when we were young. And, um, I had, FUBU Platinum, uh, Fat Albert, uh, just jerseys, you know, just FUBU was, like, the cool thing to do, you know. The whole jean suits that I used to wear three times a week to school, like, that was definitely, like, a big a big part of my childhood. So, like, that was the easy choice. None of that worked out for us. You know, we ended up leaving without a deal, but it was still a great experience. And uh, we had something uh, fun to look forward to once we got done uh, filming the show. Uh, our store was going to be opening in the next in the next week or so. So, you know, we came back home, we finished up the last little bit of work in the store, and then we opened our Centennial location. And it was completely different. Like there was lines for hours and hours, like people literally waited three to four hours just to get into the store, we had to close three hours early, because we ran out of everything that was probably like, The most exciting part of this whole journey, like besides opening the first store the first day, but it was like okay, like it, 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 like we were right, like it was location, like it it had nothing to do with us, like we were doing well, you know, our ratings were up, so it was just like it was finally finally another W, you know, we had just had that big L with Shark Tank, so our spirits were down, but then like when we seen that line and then it didn't stop, it was like like okay, we're really we're really onto something, and then. The next day, it was a line. The next day, it was a line. Like, it was a line for weeks. And it was just an amazing feeling to finally see things succeeding, you know. So um, a couple more months went by. And then, you know, we had to make that decision to close the other store. Because, like I said, it was just costing us money. Like, we were making enough to pay the employees, buy supplies, and give them all, like, half of the rent. Like, you know, we had to make that decision. It was never going to work out. So, um, you know, we just focused our attention on the Centennial local location and things continued to go great it was a great experience like everything was going good you know we we were able to pay all of our bills on time we were able to put a couple of dollars in our pockets it was amazing like we had a couple of issues just like you know we needed extra machines but you know those are very very costly so things started to work out things were actually going so well that we started thinking about expansion i know that's crazy you know especially when you know it's november now and we just closed the store and we only been open for three months but it was like we had a bunch of extra equipment from the first store so it was time to start thinking expansion then i got a call from uh one of our good friends just and Ava, and they were like, hey, you know, what is it going to take to open up a store here in Arizona? I was like, man, that's going to be tough. Like, this is what I'm thinking in my head. It's going to be tough because we're actually planning on opening another location here in Las Vegas on the strip. So how am I going to be able to do both? And I was always like scared to mix like, you know, personal relationships with business because you all know like a lot of things Go wrong, and that's the last thing I wanted to do is like lose one of my best friends and Ava to like a business deal that uh, went wrong between me and her husband. At that point, you know, me and Justin, we were cool. We just weren't, you know, where we're at now because like he can't live without me. (laughs) No, I'm playing, but okay. Like, what are we gonna do? I talked to the wife, and we were like, hey, you know, let's go ahead and try it. We wanted to franchise anyway, so this would be a perfect opportunity to test it out to see if our product you know, can be duplicated in another state, you know, to see what their reception is. So at this point, it's uh, around March and their stores open. Our store is just about done, ready to open in July. And we head out to Arizona for the grand opening of the Serial Killers um, Arizona store. And when I tell you, like, again, lines out the door, I'm like, OK, this really worked two days straight. I mean, two days straight. It was a it was a two hour wait. And, you know, so I was like, hey, this really works. We really got something. And the rest is history. So then we come back home and a couple weeks later, we open up the strip store. And, you know, obviously it's on the Las Vegas Strip. So that took off immediately. So we were definitely in a good place at that time. Um, you know, although we didn't get a deal on the Shark Tank, you know, we actually did get uh, an investment. Once we came off of the show, you know, we got this email and. When I tell you this email was the most sketch email that I ever seen. And mind you, we have probably got like a hundred different offers from different investors. Like, hey, we wanna invest in you, we wanna invest in you. But when I started reading this email, a lot of like name dropping, right? So it's like, oh, I know Raekwon from Wu-Tang Clan. I know Charlemagne the God, I know this person, that person, I'm like, uh, they're just they're just trying to scam us. But something something stayed with me, right? Like something just like, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's like divine intervention or what it is. I was like, hey, you know, it's not going to hurt us just to reach back out. And when I tell you, like, uh, Jed and his wife, Dara, like, they're some of the best people that I ever met. Like, it wasn't like we had to beg them for anything that we had to, you know, convince them of anything. You know, they were they were just they were with us. They are willing to take that journey with us, help us out any way that they can. Um, like their lawyer, Josh, which I call him our lawyer now because he's so helpful. Like they are honestly probably like one of the best things that happen to serial killers. You know, did I want to take an investment at that point? No, I didn't. Who wants to give up some of their business? They have been like, you know, one of the bright spots, you know, anything that we've needed, like they're they're there to help us. If it's like, hey, I have an idea or I want to do this, you know, like they're definitely going to, you know give us their honest opinion, and also do what they can to help us. I said say we're truly grateful for them. You know, a lot of people wouldn't have stepped in at that point, especially after seeing on Shark Tank, hearing the numbers and stuff like that. But gratefully, they've seen, you know, some of the things that we've seen. And honestly, sometimes Jed sees more, you know, more than I ever thought of. You know, he starts throwing these numbers around, and I'm like, are you sure? It's good to have people in your corner that are there for you when you need them. So at this point, we've opened two stores, and this is 20. 21 at this point. So we have at this so that brings the total to three. You know, things are going great. You know, the summer on the strip is still amazing. Uh, but unfortunately, COVID is still lingering, so that's kind of you know slowing things down a little bit. Things have things have been great ever since then. Um, we're actually looking at expanding into other states. We have a couple announcements uh later on in the show. I say all that to say you guys just don't give up on your dreams. Just no matter what people say, people laugh at me. People like, Wow, you really you really this is a terrible idea. You really just eat cereal and milk like people you're gonna have naysayers all the time you just you just can't give up bro like no matter how many times you get knocked down you just have to get up that many times and a lot of people want to know like what really changed like was it just the location and a lot of people think that you know Shark Tank you know brought in a lot of the change for us but that's really not the case yeah we had you know a little bump you know I would say maybe maybe a couple thousand dollars which you know we're grateful for but the biggest thing that changed was you know social media Instagram you know we were growing at a decent rate but you know definitely not as fast as we want to some of our employees at the centennial location uh brandon and tyrone was like you need to get on tiktok and i'm like bro i'm not about to learn another social media like instagram is already hard enough facebook is already hard enough and they were like nah nah you gotta do tiktok gotta do tiktok so i said forget it i said whatever you know what here take my phone take the password take the login and you guys do it you know because i just had no intentions on even trying to learn another social media but you know they got me they got me into it right so then i started to learn it they started to teach me all these little tricks and then next thing you know boom you know we hit um a million views on a video in like maybe like probably under a month and then you know we started to see people trickle in people trickle in a little uh, more and more every week and then we had a another post that really went viral and then that just kind of changed anything like it easily like doubled our daily um our daily revenue you know on average you know we got people coming to town we're about 25 minutes away from the strip people taking ubers just to come somewhere that they seen on tiktok so that was definitely one of the biggest changes was uh was TikTok and I think that every entrepreneur if you sell anything or if you have any business that should where that should be where your focus is at now because we all know that Facebook and Instagram they want you to pay for they want you to pay for ads or pay for your views because they don't uh, they don't really allow you to grow organically you know TikTok is still growing they're trying to get everybody to their platform so they're not really forcing that pay to play on you so if I had to give anybody uh, any advice on marketing would you know just start tiktok and the crazy part about tiktok like the stuff that you spend all your time you know the perfect video it's never gonna blow up it's just these random ideas that you get like right now our biggest our most viewed videos right now is of our cereal challenge we've had over a hundred million views in the last year just on people eating a giant bowl of cereal i'm just telling you like tiktok is really really where it's at right now so if you haven't started just create a create a profile and what you can do is all the content you make on TikTok, you can just put it on Instagram. Like because now Instagram obviously their their viewership is starting to to die out a little bit. So they're trying to push reels, which are nothing but TikTok videos. So you can actually just shoot one, shoot on one platform and post on the other. So they, they're pretty much making it easy for you. So at this point, things are going really well. We have three stores open, all of them are doing pretty good. And we expand to another location. This time back in Henderson. We're gonna give Henderson a another shot we're out there on st rose uh parkway and you know one of the you know the fastest up and coming neighborhoods in uh in las vegas so we get that location we start construction we have a good contractor at this point delayed a couple weeks but it wasn't like you know seven eight months like the first job you know he has some things going on so uh, but but thing is the communication was always there you know we understand stuff's gonna happen just talk to us so yeah you know we thank lamar for helping us get that store open but, you know, just like every other part of the serial killer story, uh, when things are up, things come down really quick. You know, I had a lot of personal things going on in my life, dealing with other family members, you know, parents, you know, some of them get sick and you have to help take care of them. So all this stuff just started to happen and everything seemed like it was just crashing down. At a time, you know, we're thriving, you know, doors are doing well. You know, everything is going good at this point, but life happens and you have to just, you know, just deal with it and just take those blows. And at this point, you know, we have All the overhead for the other three stores. You know, we'll pay the rent and everything on the first for the stores that were open. And then you know we make a little bit more money, and then by the 15th you know we pay the rent at the other store because you know it it was you know the cash flow just wasn't there. The new landlords at our new location um, because they had just they had just purchased the building. My mind was all over the place. I had missed a couple of rent payments. I communicated that with them. I'm like, hey guys, X Y Z is going on. We just need a couple of weeks to get back in order. And that's what we did. Like we kept our word. We got all the rent caught up. The other store that wasn't even open, so it was just like a money pit. And then, you know, we'd already paid $70,000 for an upgrade for a remodel. Some point, um, the landlords start doing some sneaky stuff. They uh, pretty much evicted us without cause. Uh, they kind of fabricated some things and they didn't send us notices to the right places. I show up to meet with the health inspector <laughs> because the store is finally done. We're ready to open. We have employees and there's... A lock on the door and they have an eviction notice and i'm like hey what's going on so i call them the agent is like well let me let me get a printout and see w- see what's going on and then he sends me the printout and we're current on our rent so i'm like like why are you guys evicting us so then i go to i go to the to the uh, to their office and they don't want to talk to me so it's just bad at this time and then he finally calls me and he's like oh well you know if uh, if you guys paid the rent it's just a misunderstanding we'll go ahead and unlock it and I'm like, okay, cool. So a day passes, and he's like, oh, well, I talked to the other partners, and we're not going to let you back in. So at this point, like, I'm panicking because I'm like, I have so much money invested in this store. We're ready to open. What are we going to do? So um, I'm calling lawyers, <laughs> like all my friends that are lawyers. I actually talked to uh, one of Kaepernick's lawyers, Ben, and he was really helpful. He was like, man, I'm just going to tell you this is what you need to do. So he pretty much walked me through the process of getting a court date for the most part. And then one of the lawyers from our church, uh, Ms. Tanika, like she really, really helped us out. So then we all came together. We went to court and things, things got resolved. You know, the judge was like, this is crazy. He has all the receipts, like what is going on? And they have some lame excuses. So uh, fast forward to that. So now at this point, this is like we have to hurry up and get open. We have to wait for the health district to reschedule. So that took another three weeks. We didn't have time to plan a grand opening. We didn't put any marketing towards it. We just we just opened the store. And, uh, you know, it started off really slow, but things are finally starting to pick up. And we're in a good place. We can start thinking about expanding more. Probably the moment a lot of you guys have been waiting for, kind of trying to hear, you know, what the future holds for serial killers, what are our plans. So we have recently just signed two leases for two locations out of state, one being in Salt Lake City and the other one being in Silver Springs, Maryland. These aren't gonna be your normal serial killer locations they're going to be a lot smaller you know where we're just going to sell ice cream and milkshakes and maybe iced coffees we're testing out this concept of food halls so pretty much they're food courts but they're not in malls per se you know they're just a bunch of restaurants that come together and share a common space so it won't be your normal full service serial killers with the lineup wall and the cereal boxes on the wall it's just going to be pretty much like a quick grab and go you know, after you eat your dinner, uh, we're doing that just because we just want to test the market. We just want to see what it's like to uh, to really be out of the state. And this group came with a unique opportunity, you know, so they um, they have probably 10 different locations that uh, we have the opportunity to be in. So we just, you know, we're taking a chance. The investment isn't as crazy as normal. To build a serial killers from the ground up, like on a space that's never been occupied, is at this point probably And you know, with um, the cost and inflation of everything, it just it doesn't make sense right now. That's the money that we have now into those kind of projects. So we're definitely going to test these little small um, food halls out and you know, see how they go. You know, if those go good, you know, it'd be the same type of uh, situation like if we go in the airports, because you know, that's that's always been a goal of ours. Or if we go on college campuses and the student union. So these are just going to be like, not dumbed down serial killers locations, but just like, you know, smaller scale, you know, just to put out what we're known for, our ice cream, our milkshakes, and our iced coffees. And Also, all of our new stores in the future, they're not going to look like what you're used to. Yeah, we're going to have a couple of stores that you can go on to, but we're definitely at this point where it's time to pivot again. You know, we have a better understanding of what our customers want and they want convenience they want fast service. They don't want to be waiting in the lobby all day, you know, just to get their milkshake because their lines are crazy. So we're definitely going to change to um to the drive-through situations, you know. Um we're going to be set up more like, you know, kind of like Dutch Bros coffee or Swig soda, you know, just pretty much all drive-throughs. So that is going to be a big change for us. It's going to be very convenient. You're going to uh, be able to order everything from the comforts of your car. We're going to come out with the app where if you want to just order your items and then pick it up at a set time that they'll be available. So we're just going to really uh, speed this process up. There's still going to be your photo ops. We're still going to have a serial wall, but it's going to be on the outside of the building. We're still going to have your lineup wall, stuff like that, that people love to do. But I think it's time that, you know, the convenience is there, you know, having a drive through ice cream and dessert place. I think that's, you know, that's a step in the right direction, uh, you know, just with all the changes that COVID has brought, you know, I just think it's time that we really pivot and, you know, just try something new, you know, hopefully it works. You know, I pretty, I'm pretty sure it'll work, uh, but, you know, I've been sure in the past and, you know, it didn't work. So it's just, you know, it's time to take that leap, try something new. and hopefully that is the faster way and the more efficient way for us to expand, you know, in the future into other cities and into other states. And a lot of people have asked if if we're franchising. After, you know, testing out the Arizona store and just seeing, like, how much it takes, if we actually had to run that store, on, I mean, uh, be involved in that store on a day-to-day basis, we've decided to put that on the back burner for now. Uh, instead, that we're going to just continue to partner with restaurant groups, you know, groups that have you know 40 50 stores across the country who already have the infrastructure in place to run these stores and you know help us manage and co-own these stores because i honestly at this time i couldn't see myself dealing with a hundred different franchise owners because just you know everybody's needs aren't the same and it'd be difficult you know you know we're still a young company per se and it's just i don't really have the time or the energy to spend doing that you know Um, I would prefer to, you know, partner with a restaurant group and we, you know, we go at it head on. And now we're going to move on to some questions from our followers on Instagram. Uh, We asked our followers, you know, what are just some things they really wanted to know? What are some things they wanted us to answer on the podcast? So we took the top five questions and we're going to go ahead and answer them. Uh, Question one is going to be, what is my favorite item in the store? Uh, Well, for me, it's going to be the Fiero Rocher milkshake. Um, It has vanilla ice cream, caramel, chocolate, Nutella, and the Fierro Rocher candies. It is probably one of the best milkshakes ever created. And I will literally put that up against any milkshake out there. Like anybody can get the smoke. Uh, The next question is, what are your targeted locations for expansion? Uh, Right now, we definitely need to be in California. Um, That is one of the closest cities to us. You know, like Southern California, we can get there in four hours. That is definitely big on our list. Uh, Maybe like San Diego, L.A., the beach towns would be amazing. Definitely want to go into Texas. So probably Houston, Dallas, Austin, uh, just because my sister lives there. And I know I can have a little bit of help there. New York, Miami, Atlanta, Seattle. Those are pretty much the locations at the top of our list now. All right. The next question is, what is the most underrated cereal? that's a good one i'm probably gonna have to go with like french toast crunch i don't think they get enough credit they're pretty much in the shadow of cinnamon toast crunch but you know french toast is an amazing cereal and also s'mores kellogg's s'mores i hate marshmallows so i'm actually shocked i'm saying this but that cereal is definitely at least a nine out of ten and question number four is what is the hardest part about owning a business I think the hardest part about owning a business is not quitting. There's going to be days where you have one sale and then the next day you might have 20. And then that third day you might not have any. Like it's literally just up and down, up and down. It's like it's like an ocean. Like it's just waves of good and then waves of bad. It's easy to quit. It's hard to keep going when your back's up against the wall. So I would say just Put your best foot forward. You know, if you fall down, just get back up. And the last question, what advice do you have for up and coming entrepreneurs? I would say uh, make sure you're doing it for you because what I found out like on social media is that they make it seem like if you're not an entrepreneur, you're failing at life. You know, there's nothing wrong with getting a job and enjoying that job. And they try to paint this picture that having a nine to five is a terrible thing. So just make sure that you're being an entrepreneur because you want to be, not because you you feel the pressures of social media. And also, um, this is really what I said about your business plan. You really need to have a clear understanding of what you're trying to do. So sit down do your business plan, learn your numbers, you know, figure out who your customer is, because I'm going to tell you this, your customer is not your friends. Like, yeah, a couple of your friends might lock your product, but you're never going to be able to scale and grow if you're depending on your friends to support your business. Like, it's it's not going to happen. You will always be a local store or an online store where you really don't have to, you know, put your best foot forward or really have any real responsibility besides fulfilling a couple orders here and there. Just, you know, stop getting mad at your friends if they're not supporting you. You know, hopefully they, you know, will do a repost for you or make a couple videos and hopefully they do show up. But you know, blaming your friends for your business shortcomings. Like you're never going to get anywhere, you know, with that mindset, make sure you know your customers, you know, figure out how you're going to scale your business. And the biggest thing is you have to be willing to work for free for a couple of years. Like that's just, that's just part of the business. Like everybody, nobody starts out making, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars in profit. Like you know, you got to do the work. You got to put the work in. You have to be willing to take all those losses to finally get a win. And that's it. Thank you, guys. I know I was all over the place. Like this podcast, <laughs> episode one is definitely hard when you're by yourself. Uh, I know I'm pretty sure it'll be a lot easier now that we're going to have guests on every week. No, all of our podcasts are going to be airing on Saturday. And we're going to have a lot of surprises for you guys. So I want you guys to know, be great. Uh, never give up. Follow us on our social media platforms, The Serial Killer's Kitchen. Thank you, guys.